Hello and welcome to Fantasy Talk Show, a place where, for the month of October, villains have come to tell their stories. Our guest today is Frederick Graf, an alternate reality German scientist with some ambitious goals, who has assured me, off the record, that he's totally not an archfey. In this interview, we talk about his world's experience with magic, how not everyone is on board with how he's gone about getting it, how the educated masses are just a little more difficult to convince these days, and a bit of the nuance of what a villain can be. So, without further ado, Frederick Graf, welcome to Fantasy Talk Show. Oh, thank you for having me, Dustin. Uh, my pleasure for being here. Uh, what is the occasion today? Well, you know, I'm here just to learn about you, find out a little bit about who you are and the world that you come from. Would you mind telling me a little bit about that? I'm very honored. I, I come from uh, a world with seven continents. Uh, I am from one called Europe, uh, from a place called Germany. And most recently, I'm actually from many different places. We have many laboratories all over the world. Uh, laboratory is a place of science and learning and uh Things like that, uh, innovation, technology, if you have technology. Sounds like you are speaking English, so you must come from someplace very similar to my own. Yeah, it sounds like it. We have a Europe and a Germany ourselves, but based on your attire and, and such and, and your uh, your accent, it sounds like it's maybe an alternate version. Ah, good. We've heard of many alternate realities theorized. I had theories about that. It's good to know that they are... True. Would you mind telling me a little bit about your early life, what it was like growing up as a child in your Germany? Ah, certainly. I, uh, I originated around uh, Lambrick, small town, middle of the country, and uh, not, not terribly exciting childhood. Uh, bullied somewhat, but, eh, you know, run to the family, so. Did you have a big family? Ah, four siblings. Ah. Uh, I was the oldest but uh, also one of the weakest because I always had my head in a book. Uh, but I learned fairly early on there was a breakthrough discovery in the world uh, when I was a young man, old teenager, somewhere around there. And magic, for lack of a better term, uh, became a normal thing. And I was able to smuggle in a book from an uncle of mine who knew a connection to a man in India. Uh, long story short, got my hands on a... Uh, you would call it an arcane tome of sorts, and was at the forefront of some of the uh, magical engineering, for lack of a better term, that came to light in the coming years. That sounds very interesting. Yes, it was, it was fascinating. Uh, everything was moving so quickly back then. Unfortunately, over the next 50 years, or, or fortunately, uh, we became reliant on magic for everything we do. And... In, I'd say, less than a day's time, it faded from existence. And the world that we came to know disappeared. And we were uh, flushed into a time of apocalyptic catastrophe. It was bad. Yeah, I mean, that sounds a bit like our reliance on electricity right now. If we had just lost electricity, it would have quite the devastating effect. <laughs> yes, I, I have recently discovered electricity. Uh, a colleague of mine invented a way to produce light with it. It was fascinating. Oh, interesting. Well, well I'll try not to mess with your timeline too bad then. <laughs> I appreciate it. You've, you've relied on it so much that you actually depend on it for life. Uh, 
In some ways, yes. Uh, there are, are ways we could go on living without it, but it's a very comfortable thing. It's allowed us to live in climates that we're not accustomed to, freezing temperatures where the electricity allows us to heat. or Fascinating. Extra hot desert climates where the electricity allows us to cool off or keep uh, food cold and fresh for far longer. Again, I don't want to say too much, uh, but this electricity thing, I don't know how big magic was, but it, it has some... Uh... This is good to know. I'm writing down notes. This is excellent resources. Thank you very much. I appreciate this. Maybe in another conversation we can converse on this subject a little more. Uh, well, you know, I, I would, but uh, I've also learned that oftentimes these things can be turned to weapons and something about the flow of realities right now has stopped giving me heroes and started giving me what one might call villains uh to some extent villains. which uh allows me to conveniently turn it back on to you what puts you on the path that you're currently on you said as a child you you were maybe a little bullied but you had a good head for books and learning and education what are your current motivations and what got you here well, currently, um, to, to back up a little bit, back to the uh, apocalyptic sort of origins, um, what I discovered during that time was that my world was full of what we call the flux. Uh, essentially, it's, it's like an invisible thread that connects things in, in a way that allows you to produce materials, uh, effects much faster than you normally would by hand. Uh, again, for lack of a better term, magic, I suppose, would be one way of saying it. But um, after that left, I, I would toil day and night to find a way to get it back. And I realized that by collecting things from other, uh, other worlds, essentially asteroids, meteorites, would contain a little bit of this flux. And I seem to be the only one who knew this, so I stockpiled as much as I could find until I built a portal to another world. And that allowed me to siphon in its energy into our own so that we could give back to these people what they once lost. Unfortunately, this has a limited range, so what I did is took uh, some colleagues on and we each took from our birth homes the land and swapped it out from other realms, uh, one from the material realm of earth, one from the fluid realm of water, uh, fire, air, as well as what we call the Shadowlands and what we would call the, uh, the wilds, or as the Irish call them, the, the Feylands. Hmm. So me and my colleagues uh, each... Uh, essentially sacrificed a bit of what we know and love for the rest of this world so that it could have this flux again and hopefully never run out this time. Okay, well, that sounds like some great intentions. I don't know how you get villain from this, but uh, I, I am the head of many laboratories around the world, so I could see how I would be labeled as someone who is trying to push the world in a singular direction, perhaps. But I don't know if that's very fair to call me a villain, uh, just like calling uh, perhaps an executive of a large company uh, usually is mistrusted and labeled as such. Uh, perhaps a, uh, a ruler of a country, even if he is good, will be labeled as you know, evil by certain people groups. I, I don't know that that's very fair to call me a villain, perhaps. I was merely uh, 
not trying to uh, offend, just merely commenting on my uh, company as of late. Certainly. Very strange. There was one who very clearly embraced what could be called maybe not an evil nature, but an uncomfortable nature for humans. Understood. But you said it sounds like you're siphoning resources from others. Do you know if maybe the negative effects are caused throughout other worlds that you're not currently experiencing? And that could be part of the problem? It seems that these other worlds, especially the, the material world of Earth, has much of this flux in it. One would say almost limitless. So if we are going to deplete it, it would take many, many lifetimes to do so just for that one. The, the Feywilds as well, they, they are rife with magic, and I don't think we could ever exhaust that realm completely. Probably not even getting close. So I, I would say from my studies and those of my colleagues that, no, this is a safe procedure. Okay, well, right on. And that's your current focus, is trying to get this flux or magic back into your world that it disappeared yes, from. Yes, yes. And this has taken us a few hundred years to do now. Well, the, the beginning of the flux uh, happened in 1837. It is now 1970, so a little over 100 years, 150, somewhere in there. And uh, it sounds like you're probably getting a lot of support. This is pretty much a, a unanimously pushed effort. Uh, not exactly. Uh, many people, because this is a very recent introduction of magic across the world since we've opened up these portals very recently, we have gotten a lot of pushback because of what happened the first time, which is unfortunate. But we are working through those. And what happened the first time? Well, the first time it completely disappeared, uh, which is when I discovered that we had depleted our own resources oh, right. with the flux. But recently I am speaking with the American Congress and getting some laws reversed that outlawed the flux. Um, the Pinkertons have been on my back for years now. I've had to, uh, since you are in a different dimension, and uh, I and my laboratories have control over these portals, I uh, I think I can trust that what you are hearing won't get back to my own world. So essentially, uh, what, what has happened is that the Pinkertons have been on my tail for years and have been investigating my laboratories, which have only been doing mundane science on the surface, but really underneath, that's what we are using to study the flux and all these different aspects. It's also how I've been alive so long. Um, we have discovered a way of duplicating ourselves so that when we die, we enter into new bodies and can continue on and do more work in this field. It's a bit of a cloning process. I don't know what that term means exactly, but sure. <laughs> right. I guess it's probably even a, a little bit of a poor explanation as to what's going on. It really sounds more like a soul transference more than anything. That would be an apt description. Yes, yes, very much. So you said you've, uh, it's allowed you to live exceptionally long. How old are you, if you don't mind? Oh, see, I was born in 1812. Not good with math today. <laughs> About 160. Yeah, after, I mean, after you have lived to be 120 years, you just, 
you don't keep track of your birthday anymore. <laughs> so, so that's the that's the magic number. One hundred twenty years old. Ah, pretty who much. Cares? Yes. Uh, my colleagues are are mostly in the same boat. Not quite as old as me, but uh, similar. That's definitely long for uh, a human life on my world. That's for sure. <laughs> Mine too. So, do you have a group of? Maybe adventurers, colleagues, anything like that that you, uh, I guess adventure isn't the right word, but study or experiment with, anything like that? Yes. There were seven of us. Uh, there are now six. Uh, one has left our uh, community, unfortunately. We are the core of our organization, but uh, there are many more that uh, we all employ throughout the world. Who are they or who do they represent? Um, each one is a, a scientist, uh, you might call us wizards. We are known amongst ourselves as the Guild of Immortals. Sorry, I said that with a bit of a British accent. One of the guys who pinned this was British, so every time I say immortal, I sound, <laughs> sound different. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we pick up the affectations of those we're around sometimes. Indeed. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, yes, one from each continent. Uh, that way we... We have diversity among our group and uh, different viewpoints so that we balance each other out. Why did the seventh one pull out? <sighs> that is a long story. Uh, to summarize, it was a, a bit of a, a combination between a misunderstanding and a, a, a misguided effort. Stanford Kent, one of, one of my favorite people in the world, decided to go to a country and be protected by an anti-magic field, essentially. He went to Nepal, and we have respected his wishes and have not contacted him. He wanted to be cut off completely from the flux altogether. So he is there. Uh, the, the reasons are varied, but mostly he, he saw some things that could be done with magic and realized that he didn't want to partake in it anymore. Did you get to see these things as well? Yes, uh, we were experimenting with portals and had one open to a realm of very strange physics. We were studying this realm with other in instrumentation, but we decided to open up a portal there and everything backfired. It exploded, a few people lost their lives. Uh, it was very bad. Oh, that's a bummer. Yes, it was very sad. Fortunately, we got it closed before the uh, tentacles got through, so that was good, but uh, it was very scary. And that didn't deter you or your other colleagues from pursuing further, but the seventh person... Yes. It did deter him. Yes, we, we learned much from it. Uh, we learned what not to do. <laughs> yeah. To circle back a little bit, you said the Pinkertons have been kind of riding you uh, a little bit, kind of on your on your case the whole time. Yes, they... What exactly do they have against you or your research? They are a detective agency based out of New York City, but they have also fairly recently allied themselves with the Italian mafia in the area. So they have been confiscating magical artifacts on the grounds that the magical artifacts are illegal and stockpiling them for the Italian mafia. In response, I allied myself with the Russian mafia to uh, try to get back at them. So far, it has worked, and the balance of power in that city has been restored. Interesting. So using the uh, outlaws to create 
kind of a legal balance in a sense? Certainly. You have to get your hands dirty a little bit in order to maintain the peace. Okay. Okay. Do you mind going into a little bit of detail on what that means specifically? Uh, Remember, this is closed off to your reality. Surely you can tell me a little. All right, I will humor you, of course. Uh, I think it's quite brilliant myself. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially, I gave a magical artifact that looks like a ring to the leader of the Russian Mafia. Uh, I have a corresponding... I'm sorry, I have a a bracelet. He had a coin. I get the two confused. They are two components of the same item. And that allows me to put thoughts into his head in in which to act upon. So he was not interested in uh, magic whatsoever, but the Italian Mafia was, and so they would have an unfair advantage. So I simply put the thoughts into his head to uh, start pulling in magical artifacts for his own gang, I guess, for the lack of a better term. And so we uh, restored a balance of power where they would have taken over the city and they already have some of the detectives in their pocket and that way we can maintain peace. So a little bit of uh, subtle manipulation and uh, unity is restored once again. Right on. Thank you for sharing. Certainly. So let's say things go the way you want. Ah, yes. The, The portals restore energy or the uh, flux, as you said. Yes. What does that world look like? Ah, that is a good world. Well, essentially, if everything goes as planned, me and my five colleagues will form a council because we are the most versed in the flux, and we will be able to assist in governors and rulers and hopefully dismantle weapons warfare, that sort of thing, uh, and bring in a new era of peace and prosperity. You're going to, uh, you said dismantle, disrupt, destroy the weapons? Yes. There's no need with magic. Yeah. Okay. Would you use magic as the weapons, or? (sighs) Only in extreme cases. Uh, We would only use them against people who decide to commit crimes, things like that. Okay. Sure. Technology is used for... All kinds of things. Of course. Whether that technology is electrical or magical, the outcomes are going to remain more or less the same. So if you achieve that ending where you and your six colleagues are kind of at the head of a council and peace is brought back to Earth, that's what maybe the future, your your, maybe your happy ending looks like. I'm going to ask you something a little more personal. Certainly. What does settling down look like? Hmm... I don't know that I ever could settle down completely. No retirement from the council? No <laughs> vineyard on the countryside? I don't think so. I, I, find, I find these people fascinating. I think for me, settling down, my life goal would simply be to dedicate my life to more experimentation, exploration, science, that sort of thing. You said these people fascinate me. Who are these people? Uh, maybe, maybe I am not speaking correctly. Uh, the the people that I surround myself with, the people in in this world, in this time, just the way they move, the way they they work. You know, once once you have lived for over one hundred years, you see patterns that start to emerge, and you see uh, people acting in the same way as ones before. But you also see advancement and changes and differences. These people are fascinating. 
So these people being people not from the area you were born into. So do you see, are you seeing yourself as kind of separate from the era you live in, almost disconnected from t your own time? Yes, I'd suppose in a sense that's hitting it, yes. Interesting. I can see how you'd get there. What's the most interesting change you've seen in, maybe I'm assuming you're more plugged in than you are, but say, say from when you were in your 20s to um, the modern 20-year-old of, of your timeline? What's mm. the biggest or the most fascinating difference to you? That is a very good question. When I was young, laws, uh, specifically like the laws of physics, the way the world worked was a known quantity. Now, everything is up in the air. Uh, even the young people see it. People can question everything and possibly be right. It's not something that your parents tell you and you simply believe to be true. Now, morals are changed slightly. The laws of physics are all in question because the flux is now real. Reality, as we know it, is now flexible. Interesting. And, and when you were growing up, there's a little more stability to that reality. Yes, people were actually, this, this may sound villainous, but back then people were much more gullible, easier to manipulate. Now it is a bit harder to get people to even see your point of view. That's a fascinating bit of uh, insight that you're able to glean having uh, that longer life. I hadn't even considered that as a possibility. That's fascinating. Uh, well, I think that's about all I actually have uh, lined up for this interview. That, that covers all the bases. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to throw out into the universe while you've got the mic? Oh, I have so many questions for you, Dustin, but... Uh... I think that about summarizes it. Is what I've said similar to your world and where you live, or is it entirely different? There's definitely a lot of parallels. It's a little hard to relate because we don't have... We have extended lives compared to others in our history, but not so soon in our history. And we have a longer lifespan than those that lived maybe 500 years ago and... You know, maybe those that lived 100 years ago, our lifespan is increased by 5 or 10 years, not quite as extreme as what you have. And while the reality can feel flexible, we definitely don't have that flux that allows the bending quite like it hasn't been discovered yet. Let me, Interesting. Uh, let me say it that way. Uh, the only real uh, experience I have with magic of that sort is, uh, you know, coming into my closet and finding interesting people to interview whenever I get the chance. <laughs> yes. Well, as we've been talking, I have been uh, calculating the trajectory for your portal. Um, if you will hang on just a few more minutes, I may be able to pinpoint yeah, your well, exact Well, uh, that's timeline. all the time we actually have here. So, uh, oh, you know, no, that's uh, I'm really sorry, but I think that it's all fading. And, uh, uh, well, you know, good you luck with just your hang future on. endeavors. Just, just a little longer, please. I, oh, uh, farewell. Thank you for listening to my interview with Frederick Kraft. He's a character from the mind of Ryan Hammond using the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition system. While Ryan doesn't currently have any D&D content to consume, he does have a sweet YouTube channel called Built From Basics that I would encourage you to check out. I really enjoyed his DIY compost barrel video. It was calming to watch, but also made woodworking feel very accessible. 
He also makes music on SoundCloud under his name, Ryan Hammond, that has some really great songs if you're into movie soundtrack style music. His music is totally free and available for download, so I would highly encourage you to use it in any tabletop gaming you have coming up. I really enjoyed Heed No Nightly Noises, which reminded me of walking through the alleys of a sci-fi spaceport at dusk. As always, make sure to check out the podcast description for all of the mentioned content links. Thank you to Josiah Piles for the cover art and to Kylan Small for the intro and outro music of the podcast. Please check out the links in the podcast description for more of their content. I'd also like to thank my editor, Lizzie Culver, for the hard work she puts into this podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And if you'd like to connect with me or other like-minded adventurers, join the Fantasy Talk Show Discord. You can join by clicking the link in the podcast description. Also, check out my Facebook page at facebook.com slash fantasytalkshow or my Twitter page at twitter.com slash fantasypodshow. Talk to you soon!